Hello and welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Henry. As always, we are excited to bring you the best of the best in college softball. After the show, head on over to d1softball.com for all the latest stories, coaching scoop, international softball news, fall schedules, and more. If you subscribe today, you can use Podcast 20. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 20 for 20% off an annual subscription. We are excited for today's new episode that features Arizona State head coach, Megan Bartlett. Now let's get started. I'm joined by my co-host of the week. Rhea, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? It's been too long. Yeah, how are you doing? World traveler. It's been, I'm doing okay. I, my, uh, my travels are really low key compared to where you've been and gone, but uh, it's lovely to see you and to be talking softball again. Yeah, I'm back in action. Just got back from uh, England and was in the Gambia and have a little bit of jet lag, but other than that, very fun trip and just happy to be home and again talk talk more softball because it's been a, a week since we've had this discussion and so we'll just get straight into it we've got fall reports they're still rolling them out on the site uh and our cyber monday sale we we released oklahoma ou graham hayes with the report well the novel on the sooners book. <laughs> the ou book the ou <laughs> <laughs> it was all good like I it was a quick you enjoy so I was all like a, you know Graham it was a lot but it didn't feel like a lot so it was good stuff I mean they continue to reload there Alex Sirocco obviously joining uh, Jordy Ball and uh, just taking a look at Tiare Jennings how she is basically on pace to go after Aloe and Chamberlain and just to have three from the same university going after that home run record quite impressive and and seeing how the others kind of fit into the lineup, i.e. Brito maybe coming into to the infield uh, and getting some 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 looks there. But again, I love what Patty has to say about what they do. Iron sharpens iron. And, and you know, I'd have to say I agree with her. But Re, uh, thoughts on the Sooners heading into it? Well, back-to-back champs heading into 2023. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone knows just an embarrassment of riches there with the talent. I mean, she was saying that their, you know, their inter-squad scrimmages drew more because that was more competitive than anything they could ever do otherwise, which was true. And they were all televised and people paid to come watch. Um, just, I mean, intriguing. The fact that you can have that much talent on a roster. And I know they do, you know, lose a few players to transfer that, you know, but they get so much in and everyone seems to, you know, still want to go there and be a part of it and not really you know, even if they have to play out of position, um, I just, like I said, just look at the names and I'm like, my gosh, like Sydney Sanders transferred in and you, know, you just kind of look and the thing that caught my eye, which I thought was very interesting too, was you said Alex Straco from Michigan, how she's kind of struggled a little bit against, which I mean, I would against anyone would against that lineup, but kind of how Patty's had to kind of like, Hey, you know, it's not going to be as easy as just rolling in here. And so I'm, I'm intrigued. I think that's good for the growth process of people, like when you're challenged a little bit more. So I'm interested to see how she comes out on the other end once the season starts. Um, I think she'll be fine because, like I said, that lineup just kind of tricks your mind a little bit when you're facing them every day. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and just interested to see the position, like where she's going to slot people and kind of how that works. And uh, like you said, Brito replacing Johns at third base, which is a tough, you know, tough defensive glove to fill. But when I spoke with Brito during the summer when she was playing uh, for the Alliance, 
she said that she was training back on the dirt because she really wanted to get back there. So, um, yeah, just, uh, I mean, gosh, they're going to be, it looks just unstoppable again. Plus that schedule they're going to play. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, they're out on the West Coast in week one at the Mark Campbell Classic. So I'll be able to hopefully catch the Sooners here in Irvine, California. Like you said, Ree, Sydney Sanders, Pac-12 freshman player of the year, freshman of the year. Um, for her to go in and Haley Lee, just those two buying for spots, right? The best on their teams at their previous schools for them to be working hard to, to get a spot in the lineup just shows you how much depth Oklahoma has and they continue, like you said, to reload. So that's the Oklahoma Sooners. Head on over to the site, uh, d1sample.com to check it out. Then we'll then we'll go over to the Vols, the Tennessee Vols. Karen Weekly, Ree with the report uh, and speaking with Karen Weekly. I love when she's talking about them being chirpy in the fall and competing with one another. Talk to me a little bit about that and what, and what you got from coach and, and what's going on with the Vols. Yeah, she was saying it's the closest she's ever felt to a football coach where she's got to like, you know, break up a fight there. And, and she wasn't being like a negative thing. She was like, they were just so damn competitive that, you know, it was almost like, am I going to have to like separate people here? Because even just in, you know, drills and inner squads. But um, yeah, we speaking of OU, a lot of new faces on the Vols. And one of those, they have 13 new players and um, 10 freshmen, three transfers. It's going to be a complete overhaul. But one of those is... OU's own Mackenzie Donahue, who I think people remember from two years ago at the Women's College World Series. She is going, she has transferred to Tennessee and um, she's kind of, you know, she's, she's going to be playing shortstop there for Tennessee. So she's kind of replacing Ivy Davis and another big transfer they got is Peyton Gottschall from Bowling Green, who was a senior transfer. She set all kinds of strikeout records there, but, you know, transition to the SEC, see how she can do. She obviously faced power five a lot and had some success but it's a different beast going day in and day out with that. Um, so the 13 new players, that's the big story. And then just having Kiki Malloy back who, you know, Karen Weekly is she, her completely unbiased opinion is the best player in college softball, which <laughs> I agree. I agree with Karen Weekly. Man. I would say, you know, maybe Tiara Jennings, to be honest, and like Jada Coleman or two the athletic wise and like the same tools, I think you could kind of, you know, comparable, but Kiki's right up there with everyone just, also, I mean, not just, you know, offense, defense, uh, stealing bases. So, and then, you know, I guess the, what everyone wants to, with Tennessee, the last year's Ashley Rogers, um, she's back, but very, they're going to pace her because she's had those injuries that have really stymied her. And basically they're just going to have to play day, day by day. Like she's going to be, she'll go when she can go and she won't when she won't. So pitching depth was key for them to get some people in there so that they can pitch her. She's not going to be going twice a week and most likely, you know, she'll probably be going once and get the best out of her and then pace her. Um, Cause she just can't, her body can't handle it sadly. And it's just one of those unfortunate things that happens. But so that's, those are the main, I mean, there's tons of info in there if you go to the fall report, but that's kind of some of the highlights from uh, Tennessee Vols. So that's the Tennessee Vols. Head on over to the site again, Rhiannon Podkey with the fantastic in-depth report on Tennessee then we'll head over to Louisiana again, re talking with Jerry Glasgow and that schedule that he put together is quite impressive. Now we know that the Raging Cajuns, they fell to, to Clemson uh, in the postseason, but putting together a pretty tough schedule and, and hoping to, to potentially host, uh, as you said in the report uh, in speaking 
about UCF last year, which we saw uh, them get that regional bid. But Ree, what do you what do you got on the Raging Cajuns? Yeah, exactly. Jerry was telling me that he saw what Cindy Ball Malone did there at UCF last year, thinking that she had a team that could could handle a schedule like that and maybe it would be rewarded. And he kind of feels the same. Very young team, but he's been building for these two classes that he had last year and this year. And he feels like this is a great challenge for them. And at the very, you know, they'll learn about themselves at the very worst if they end up losing. And even UCF at the beginning kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season, we remember when we were in Clearwater. And they ended up, you know, it, it benefited them and they, they started notching some of those wins. So he's kind of mirrored that. He wants to, uh, to kind of challenge his team. Uh, you know, another OU, can, here's another, we always thread the OU now. This is why we started. But he said he thought it was the strongest schedule in the country, but he thinks Patty Gasso beat him once he saw their schedule get released. So uh, he thinks that schedule is probably the only one that maybe can compare, um, but it's pretty legit. They've got, like I said, a ton of young talent in there. They've got some players coming in this year, a girl Davis and Griffin that you'll want to read about and check out. Megan Shorman, the former Kentucky uh, transfer, she's back in the circle for the Raging Cages this year. Um, so just a lot, Stormy Cup. I always say her name wrong, Katzelnik. Stormy. I just call her Stormy. I call her Stormy. She's, uh, you know, she's back. They've got, you know, Carly Heath. They've got some offense, but again, very, very young team. Um, and he, the one thing that jumped out, and we know, because when he started there, there was transfers, no transfers. So he, he didn't lie to me last year. He said, we just wanted transfers so we can get these two classes. And then we're going to build in the foundation around these two classes. So we'll see what they, uh, you know, they made, you know, they were young last year and they made it far. And uh, so we'll see if this this schedule can help them. And, and like you said, get a chance to maybe host it. And, and if not, they'll definitely be battle tested by the time postseason rolls around. Yeah, that, that is quite the schedule and excited to see what the Raging Cajuns do in the Sun Belt and uh, against those power five um, opponents. So Jerry Glasgow, Louisiana, Raging Cajuns, check it out on the site, uh, d1sample.com. That's it for our fall report kind of previews of the week. The rest are on the site. You can go check them out. And now we're going to get into our guest of the week, Arizona State head coach, Megan Bartlett. What a pleasure to speak with her. She's got quite the coaching kind of resume and uh, studied under Yvette Healy. Yvette Healy and was at Ball State as a head coach for five years and then was with Texas on that Women's College World Series uh, run last season. So we'll chat a little bit with her about that. and. Um, Excited to see what she does with the Sun Devils uh, heading into the 2020-23 season. So here's Megan Bartlett, Arizona State head coach. Hi, Tara Henry here back with the D1 Softball podcast. So excited to be joined this week by the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, Megan Bartlett. <laughs> Megan, thank you so much for joining me this week on the D1 Softball podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Tara. It's going to be fun. Uh, you know, we'll just go through a little bit of Megan's kind of resume just because it is quite vast and <laughs> want you all to make sure that, you know, so current head coach at ASU, but last season, I actually got to watch Megan uh, coach the Texas Longhorns at the Women's College World Series uh, runner-up performance. We'll go into that a little bit because I do think that's really uh, an interesting type of story uh, to get into, but also former head coach at Ball State, uh, Stints all over the place, Purdue, DePaul, uh, Northern Illinois, and I'm an All-American at Notre Dame uh, with the Irish. And um, so 
we'll start there, Megan. But I want to talk about how you kind of got into softball. Where did it all start for you? And and when did you decide, hey, you know what? I want to be a softball player. Like I want to be in the sport. A softball player? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. My father gave me absolutely no option in that. <laughs> so I think I was five. Like I can't even swing right-handed. So I was a five-year-old, just my first day of T-ball. And he was like, okay, so we're going to go to the left side. You're going to swing this way. Um, so I, I think I played four and five sports really until I was a junior in high school, which I loved. I was a gymnast and I played volleyball and soccer and badly played basketball. Um, but I was tough and feisty <laughs> and just, I think, fouled out of quite literally every game I played. So that's like my claim to fame there. Um, but softball, yeah, it, I think it chose me in a lot of respects. And then as we moved on into coaching, um, continued to choose me. So. Yeah, and I love that you were a multi-sport athlete because I think that is something we don't talk enough about. And I have that written down here, like multi-sport athlete. What do you think being a multi-sport athlete actually allowed you to not only become a better player, but even coach uh, in your background and in, in being able to play multiple sports? Um, how do you think that impacted you? Yeah, I think it, looking back on it now gave me a really clear understanding of efficiency, um, movement patterns, things like that, because really, if you dial everything back to basic athletic movements, um, you tend to not get lost in the weeds, which we have all done um, in our coaching careers, especially as hitting coaches, right? Um, so many rabbit holes you can go down. But I think not only from the basic athletic skills, but being able to relate and lead and motivate different kinds of people, because the culture of every sport's a little bit different, right? Like how you interact with someone on a volleyball court is going to be different than like I, I played tennis for a little, you know, a hot stint, which was obviously super different even from the rest of them and, you know, softball. And then, of course, gymnastics, it's you and you're completely um, like you've got to be a tough chick to do that well. Right. Um, kind of quite a bit in your own head. So, yeah, I, I think it creates this hopefully like well-rounded perspective. Um, and as a coach, then it creates this ability that you can work with all different kinds of kids, right. And create these really genuine kind of organic relationships with each of them. Um, Cause you've been able to put yourself in so many different um, environments and situations. So I, I wouldn't have changed any bit of it for us. Um, I love multi-sport athletes. Like I will literally, and I know travel ball coaches want to, um, throttle me for this, but even for fall ball, I'm like, go play volleyball, go play soccer, get out. Like, you know, especially after we've committed kids, they're like, oh, I was so good at volleyball and I really missed it. And I'm like, good, play it as a senior then. We're good. Um, trust me, you will you will find someone <laughs> who will pick you up and want you to be on their team for that next summer if somebody's really got a problem with it. But I just <laughs> think we are, you know, of course, and then from injury prevention, um, goodness, we're, we're just dealing with these kids are just pounding on the same muscles, ligaments, tendons over and over. I mean, gosh, they play more than I could have dreamed of. Like I got the mental and physical break when I switched um, sports seasons and these kids just don't get to do that. And their bodies are sadly just, you know, breaking down by the time we get them in college. So, um, but yeah, huge fan of multi-sport athletes. So they should all come to Arizona state. <laughs> I love that. I actually played tennis in, in high school and that was the biggest break for me is was being able to go into that season and not not have to worry about softball, but allowed me to kind of have that mental break. Um, so I think enjoy something with no pressure. Yeah. And 
I think I, I just wish people would push more for that because I do think it's kind of gone away of that, like you said, and we know there's travel ball coaches out there that love it and some that don't love it. So um, hopefully we can get going on that. But I want to kind of talk about kind of your journey uh, through coaching and how that all started. You played it uh, in the MPF as well, so professional softball player. So also experience there. Um, how did your coaching career start and, and when did you decide? Because, wait, you're also a licensed attorney in the state of Illinois. <laughs> I am. I am, yes. We did a lot of degree chasing early on. Um, when I said, like, the sport kept pulling me back in, like, I wholeheartedly mean that. And I love what I do. And, like, honestly, I just think there's this, you know, whatever. God has a plan and kind of this God laughs at your plans and the journey's going to lead you and the whole thing. And that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I finished I finished at Notre Dame for the wonderful Deanna Gumpf, who is goodness. And I loved my experience there. Um, gave it everything I had, was super, super tired. So I've always thought um, law school was going to be part of the journey. Um, I had done an internship at Notre Dame at St. Joe's um, Medical Center in town and um, worked with the chief informatics officer there, um, Dr. Snell. And I loved it. Um, my mom's a VP of quality. She started as a nurse and worked her way up through administration. So when it became, I was so exhausted that I didn't think law school was going to happen in that moment. And I was like, I'm just going to run large non-for-profit hospitals for a living. And that's just what I decided I was going to do. So I needed a master's to do that. Um, so again, like the way life worked out, I, my first boss in this profession was the wonderful Yvette Healy, who's now at the University of Wisconsin. Um, and she taught me so much about the profession of coaching and leading people and motivating and doing it with grace and patience um, and kindness. And I don't know that I was ingesting all of her amazing lessons at 23 years old was so feisty and competitive, um, but she has been so insanely impactful. But the story really was that I got into Loyola's um, business school. I got in, you know, to the MBA school and she only had one full-time assistant at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to come be your GA. You should just pay for law school or pay for grad school. And she was like, oh my God, that's not a thing, but I'm going to figure it out. So she literally went to her administration and had this position created <laughs> my second year there. Uh, you know, we won a conference championship, which was super cool. And I was done with coaching again um, and interviewing at um, actually boutique, a boutique healthcare consulting firm. And that was, I was going in on Thursday to get an offer. Um, one of my NPF, Chicago Bandit teammates, Lindsay Chenard called and was like, hey, um, come out to Northern, coach with me, and they're going to pay for law school. And I was like, oh, my God. So I, I spent five years of my life, re, you know, rebuilding that program with the wonderful Lindsay Chenard, um, who was one of my dearest friends. And we were just like young and feisty and took on the world. And got a law degree while I was the recruiting coordinator and hitting coach. Like I would go study until midnight every night at the law library, step out, take a recruiting call, go back in, do, you know, finish whatever I was doing. It was insane. Now looking back on it and I'm like, what were you doing child? Um, <laughs> finished that was super exhausted. Um, my husband was finishing his hockey career at the time. So um, when it's been a hockey season in Austria, actually, and then that second year, we were back and forth from Denmark and got to help the wonderful um, Eugene Lenti at DePaul. And then fast forward, um, we got pregnant with our oldest, Vivian, who is the coolest. She's eight now um, and 
the wonderful Kim Sheedy hired me at Purdue. And then a year later, Ball State called. And I loved, I loved Ball State. I mean, it was a super special place. I had the most incredible assistants that are all have shot off right into the power five now. Um, and just did an amazing job. The pandemic happened and um, life changed right at mid-major. So I got a phone call from the wonderful Mike White at the University of Texas. And then y'all saw the culmination of that in OKC um, last season. And then Arizona State called and here we are. So we've done a lot of moving and the journey has been insane. And yes, the resume is all over the place. Um, so we went from degree chasing to really missing the profession and that mentorship role with a group of women. Um, I love that piece. It's my favorite part. I, I've said this to my kids once, and I feel like they all looked at me like I was crazy, that the the relationships, the mentoring, the motivating, that's what I love. That's what I'm good at. Softball just happened to be the vehicle, right? Because softball chose me. It could have been volleyball. It could have been soccer. It could have been a lot of things. Um, I was a, a pretty good athlete, so <laughs> I, could, I could do some things well. Um, but yeah, that's really, the game kept pulling me back. And then I just, I missed it. So. I love that. And, you know, we did witness kind of what happened last year. And it's funny, I had Mike White on earlier uh, in uh, the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And we, we talked about that squad. And mm-hmm. you know, I saw you all at St. Pete Clearwater uh, in the beginning of the season. different. <laughs> yes. Uh, and there was a huge difference in that team and it was really fun and special to watch the growth uh, of the Texas Longhorns throughout the season, because it was a team that wasn't going to be denied. And you were part of that and you were in the middle of that from your perspective um, as one of the coaches that were in the dugout at the women's college world series, what did that feel like? What was it like to actually be competing for a national championship uh, on the highest stage? I hope he used the word surreal because that's probably the only one you can use to describe it. It was the way the journey started that it was, especially at the beginning of that postseason. It was about proving people wrong and it was like competitive and fiery. And we were, you know, we went out to Seattle on a mission. And like you said, that team was not going to be denied. That's a lot of fiery personalities and big personalities and just kids that stuck with the program and stuck with us as a coaching staff in some really tough spots. Um, and they, it wasn't going to be for nothing, right? Like so driven and so determined. And that's the same vibe. I think the same team that showed up in Arkansas, but by the time we got to OKC, um, it was interesting how it flipped. Like there was a lot, like they were locked in and serious and confident but it created a bit of lightness because at that point the kids knew it too. Like we were playing with house money, <laughs> didn't even host our own regional and here we are. So that was the interesting piece that once we got to OKC, then it was like people are joking around in the dugout and dancing around and somebody make an error and it's like, it's fine. Court's going to hit a home run or whatever. You know, it, it, it's interesting how the script kind of flipped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, those kids had accomplished everything they wanted to in their careers as Longhorns, right? You think about that, gosh, Janae Jefferson and Mary Iacopo, Haley Dolcini. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why Hales came to the University of Texas. She wanted that shot and she got it. And 
So it was, we weren't doing much at that point. Like that freight train, <laughs> I caught steam and was rolling. Um, you know, we just told them what pitch they were sitting on and yeah. off the races. So it was, it was a really masterful thing. Um, you know, coach did a really, I think, amazing job just keeping the calm and keeping the vision um, and keeping people motivated, whether or not the kids always right understood every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he just definitely kept his sight set on the prize at the end of the season. And that was, I think, one of the big takeaways. When you when you play in a conference like that, the Big 12 has just been really, really tough now. Um, I don't know, for a handful of years with, you know, OU and Oklahoma State. And then, of course, Texas started to gain some steam in there. And you're like, how do you explain to a group of kids? Like, okay, you're probably not going to win your conference and you can still be standing in Oklahoma city at the end of the year and not let them um, get defeated. Right. Or kind of lose their focus um, to keep a team locked in like that is, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a tough task. And I think he's, he's found a way to do that extremely well. Yeah. And one of the most interesting things to me about uh, Mike White is that his ability to get, to the postseason, to advance to the supers. There's something to say about that because you can never look at super. Super. <laughs> yeah. never super. It is the my, most mind-blowing thing. And those aren't always the most talented teams, right? Man, <laughs> he just figures it out. I know. Um, so we'll fast forward to that. So now, so runner-up, the Women's College World Series. Uh, and then this summer, how did how did this come about? Uh the ASU position? Was it a phone call? Um, I kind of want to go through that because, I mean, you walked in very late hired to a very depleted roster um, Mm -hmm. as it, as it kind of happened. And now that we've seen uh, it get filled back up, thankfully, uh, (laughs) what was that process like for you? And when did you decide that you wanted to be Sun Devil? Um, I think immediately the, the job definitely had its appeals. I think First and foremost, I've always wanted to work with Jimmy Kalaitis. And then we were finally part of the same coaching tree, right? Because he was with Coach for a long time at Oregon. And um, I had actually met Coach K at the ABCA at the baseball convention a handful of years back, um, pre-pandemic. And I think he had just gotten to, to UAB, actually. And I was obviously still at Ball State. So we sat down and had this awesome lunch with uh, a good friend of ours, Josh Bloomer. And... I was like, oh man, like I want to work with this guy. I feel like I spoke this whole thing into existence, um, you know, a few years ago and here we are. But really that was a big piece of it. Um, You know, a a few people had reached out to Arizona State on my behalf and thought it would be a good fit, which I work for the most wonderful people. Ray Anderson, Ken Lanfear, um, love, love, love them. It really, it, who, you know, it, it has been an absolutely happy fit. This athletic department, I really think, gets it right um, at its most fundamental level. Like they're here to provide the most amazing experience to these kids. And that's really, I think, the the core of what drives them. Um, so that piece has been awesome. But really, if you would have asked me a year ago, um, and really probably anybody who knew me, I thought the trajectory would be, you know, north or east, right into the ACC or the Big Ten. And I ended up in the Pac-12, and really, I wanted to keep Jimmy Kalaitis in place. And um, my wonderful pitching coach, Jeremy Manley, our world champion BP, um, you know, the pitchers love him, and he throws insane BP. Um, he was actually my, 
my pitching coach my last year at Ball State when um, Coach Johnson took off for the SEC. We lost him to Mississippi State. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Jeremy's family, and he's amazing at what he does. So quickly, I was going to take a shot at being able to put my dream staff together. Um, and it worked. I got the job, and Jimmy decided to stay on staff. And Jeremy was like, just let me know when to pack the truck. And here we are. And they're incredible. I think the coolest part about the staff, the X's and O's, we, we can roll with anybody. Like, we know what we're doing. We know how to win. Um, you know, Coach K and I both have the benefit of a lot of, you know, some, some solid World Series experience at this point. Um, but my favorite part about this staff is how they connect and relate with young people. I think it's really rare to have three people on staff that do that in a really profound, um, impactful way. And with this generation, it's a must. It is. They are so insightful and they're so intuitive. And if you don't come, and it doesn't always have to be sparkles and sunshine, right? But if you do not come at these kids with genuine care and honesty um, and honestly some grace, I think it's uh, it's probably going to be a hard generation to coach, right? Like things that worked 10, 15, 20 years ago um, aren't, aren't just not going to motivate these kids anymore. Yeah. So the the story, I got to put my dream staff in place. So I moved a thousand miles West, <laughs> but I've decided that sunshine and palm trees year round make me super happy. So I'm not going back like this is it. This is hopefully the 25 year job. And here we are. I was going to say, I, I go to a lot of games at Farrington and it's pretty nice out there. And it is one of the most beautiful Gorgeous. stadiums. It really is one of the most beautiful stadiums. There's nothing like a sunset there. Um, I, I always, I always love going there and it is, it's like a club. It's like a party when there are some big teams in town. So I'm excited to see that. So in, you, you're talking about coach K you're talking about the coaching staff. Uh, let's go into a little bit about this fall and, and what you've seen. Cause like I said, you know, you lose a Sid Sanders uh, and that's tough. You, you, you are trying to rebuild a, a roster. Uh, she was a pack. What is she packed full freshman of the year? Um, yeah. year. And so we start. Yeah. And, but yet you were, you know, you remain, if you, some of the girls remain, including Marissa Schultz as well. Um, yeah. We always loved that she was a wildcat and now she's a sun devil. Um, <laughs> but talk to me a little bit about this fall and, and what you're kind of seeing um, from the team, just getting to know them really. Um, what What's it been like? So for all the, and we lost some impressive talent. I mean, it was what it was. Um, and they're on to, to different journeys now. But, man, we kept some really good ones, too. Like, you've already mentioned Marissa Schold. She is just a wild – like, she's this wonderful competitor, right? Like, Riss just – she just goes at you on the mound, and she is fearless, and she doesn't back down. Um, we're, we're, like, so thrilled. She's, she's a tidy little hitter, right? Like, Marissa can just do a lot of things um, to help the ball club win. And – she's such a good leader by example in the clubhouse. Like she gets after in the weight room and it's always, you know, what can I do to the point where we're like, okay, I need you to actually do less. <laughs> Cause your ball is going to last until June. Like she's that kid, which I think is, you know, if any of the ones you get to keep is su just a super cool thing. Um, Yanni Acuna is one of the, she's insane. She's one of the best hitters I have seen in a long, long time. So powerful her adjustability, her hitability is still so good. She was the kid immediately. Like we got on a team zoom. 
this is Coach Bartlett. This is this is the future. This is what we're doing. Immediately picked up the phone, like, Coach, I'm in. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm your right fielder. Like, let's get it. And did, really, as we're bringing, you know, players on this summer, yeah, Yanni's like helping out with official visits and going to dinner and just, she is just the most incredible kid. Um, J.R. Rollins can hit with about anybody in the country. I mean, that kid is next level athletic. I don't know that I've, and I've coached some really insane athletes, um, especially Texas. I mean, we had some raw, incredible uh, players and she can hang in with about anybody. J.R. is feisty, um, great power, great hit ability, does everything from the left side. She can move. It's, she just, I think is going to be super impactful. Like we're excited about the year she's going to have. And then of course, I mean, I think Jazz Hill, I mean, she still has half of her career left, right? And she does such a phenomenal job in center field. I think she's going to have a really outstanding year at the plate. We're pretty excited about her too. So really the top of our lineup, I think can roll with about anybody. Um, you know, the middle of the lineup, I'm, I think they're going to be able to hang in there. I really do. I, I'm pretty excited about top to bottom. I think the product, especially with 11 new kids, and we'll probably bring in a couple at break. I mean, that's a lot of new, and it's a lot to get settled. Um, you know, we were in a similar situation actually last year at Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Six freshmen. We brought in three kids at break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now looking back on Clearwater, um, right? Like we had a lot of people on the field that weren't on the field at the end of the year. So it was just trying to figure out like, what's a, what's the right matchup for the pitchers? Who's catching them? Um, you know, lineup. It, it, it's just a lot of new. So I think the difference now, you know, thankfully living through that experience and getting to tell the tale is we have those conversations with our kids now, right? Like you're going to get shots and you're going to get opportunities and it doesn't even matter. Like the first four weeks to be the biggest dumpster fire on the planet. I promise you, we will set on the lineup. We will figure it out. But there's just going to be some, what it always looks like in practice isn't how people always perform in a game. And the reality is, is we know what the core is, but it's kind of like the, the ancillary players and the bubble position players. I don't know, guys. Like we're going to see who's going to show up and perform. And that might create a little bit of chaos early on, but you're just going to have to breathe through it and stick to the process. But that's what I don't think we were quite ready for last season, right? That we were like, no, this is great. Texas is just super talented now. And we're going to roll out there and win. Um, <laughs> and when things got tough, they got tough quickly with a group of kids that um, were just honestly quite new to each other, right? Yeah. Um, and the glue came apart. We figured it out. We nailed that thing back together. Um, but that was a product of, again, a lot of trust of the old kids and some hard work. Um, but yeah, I... Moving into this season, I think another um, – I, I think the pitching staff – Grant, we lost four pitchers, um, but I'm pretty excited about what we pulled in. Uh, Kylie McGee, um, you know, from Corona Angels, Tyson. So I have to give him a shout-out there. Uh, <laughs> you know, stuck with us through the coaching chain. She was actually committed to the previous staff, and mm-hmm. she's a legacy Sun Devil. Older brothers um, all went to ASU. And Kylie is, I think, going to have a really impressive and impactful career as a Sun Devil. And this is her dream school. And, you know, she's been a doll. I think she's going to be really, really good. Um, we got a transfer from Virginia Tech. Mac Osborne is a tidy pitcher. I mean, that drop ball um, is about as good, right, 
as I've seen, um, is coming in pretty hot. <laughs> it can get a little wild, um, <laughs> but she, she can go drop rice change with the best of them. Nice little curve. So there's just a lot of, a lot of tricks and a lot of tools in there um, to beat hitters. Kenzie Brown is a transfer we got from Tulsa. Um, small, small town in Illinois, 60 people. Um, her family's like a third of that. Yeah, she's like one of eight siblings and um, just a ton of kids in the family. So. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, and she throws a beautiful lower eyes. And Ken's, I think, is just one of those really impressive athletes, raw, small town. Um, Coach Manley's done just a really, really phenomenal job of her. She was actually trained by a men's fast pitch guy growing mm -hmm. up. So that transition into working with Coach Manley, I think, has been pretty natural um, and has turned to be pretty fruitful. So we're pretty excited about Ken's. And then Deborah Jones, um, Ball State. I coached her when she was a freshman. She is this wonderful compliment to the rest of the staff. She works down. She works three speeds, um, two different off-speed pitches. And then she can spin her eyes when she needs to. And she she's going to be a cool one to watch. I think she's put on 15 pounds of muscle this fall, which I'm so proud of her. You know, she's very tall, lanky. She's long and, you know, six feet and just all levers. So that was the deal. Um, she had decided, you know, I think in May, very early in the summer, to not go back to Ball State. So she had a lot of different options, right? SEC and Big Ten and – um, the kind of the, the minute I got this job, I quickly got DJ on the phone and was like, okay, you're moving to Tempe. And she's like, oh my God, I'm moving to Tempe. But <laughs> um, I, I didn't realize at the time she was actually on a visit and she's like, so when do I tell this person? And I was like, oh God, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just went <laughs> really quick and needed to make sure this was going to go down. Um, you know. And so she just packed the the moving van and got out here and the rest is history. So that's been a really cool, you know, thing to revisit having DJ in the clubhouse, right? Because yes, not only she's a talented pitcher and she's a wonderful compliment to the rest of the staff. They all look a little bit different. They all do something different. Um, you know, trying to just hit, you know, down in three speeds, mid sixties when you've been seeing, you know, upper sixties and up will hopefully cause just enough chaos, right, for opposing hitters. Um, but she is definitely, she is just an incredible, she's just a Midwest kid. She works hard. She's gracious. She's a good teammate. Um, and she's one of those pitchers that, like, in this very gentle way, sometimes it, you get two extremes of pitchers. It does not come out so gentle or they're <laughs> not really comfortable, right, leading with their position players. And she'll do both. And she was just a product of a, a really strong clubhouse you know, early on in her career that that's important to me. Like if you can't be a, a woman that supports other women and respects other women, um, then you don't, you don't get to be a part of our program. Like that's something that we value and it's something we protect. So to immediately bring Debs in and she can start to gently kind of like reinforce those values and relay those messages um, in her own voice and in her own way, I think was hugely impactful to the clubhouse. So, you know, I think we're doing okay. We're, we, we definitely, we've got some good pieces. You've got, you've got all the pieces. Yeah, you've got all the pieces. And I think that is one of the 
from an outsider's point of view, watching them all come together has been pretty cool to see. And just speaking with you and hearing, you know, what's been going on in the fall, I think we're all excited to see what happens once I get into Pac-12 play. And, um, and Coach K is one of my favorites as well. So, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you there. Um, in my, you could do no wrong. A thousand miles dragging my family across the country. Yeah, he and Jess are amazing. It has been a super happy fit. Yeah, I love it. Well, I, I think I could talk to you probably for hours and hours. <laughs> We're into hitting. <laughs> I strive to not be boring in life. So, like, check one. I love it. Well, uh, Megan, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the D1 Softball Podcast this week. Good luck uh, this season. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for, for taking the time just to sit down and chat with us. And um, can't wait to come out and watch the Sun Devils uh, next season. Awesome. Thank you, Tara. Appreciate it. Arizona State head coach, Megan Bartlett. Just a pleasure to speak with her and get her insight. She's got so much energy and I'm excited to see her infuse that into the Arizona State program uh, heading into Pac-12. Um, she, she didn't believe she'd be coming to the South or, or actually on the West Coast, but I think um, she's going to fit right in there and I love that she uh, has the coaching staff that, that is of a coaching staff of her dreams, uh, as she said. And um, we'll see how she does with that once depleted roster that has now been rebuilt and uh, working towards that. Um, yeah, that was a great interview. I love Megan. I love just what she's doing down there. Uh, whatever the Pac-12, 10, 6, 8 turns out to be once uh, we see the others flee to the Big Ten. Um, you know, UCLA, obviously, for softball is the only one. but uh, whatever that turns out to be, whoever comes in or out, I think that program's always been, had a longstanding, you know, reputation of being a contender and always fun and kind of does it a little bit more with a little swag. Um, and I think having two Arizona schools there with the female coaches and moms and everything, and that, that rivalry is always fun, continue that same vibe. So really eager to see what she does. Um, we know she's been a head coach before, it's just not her first time, but she's got the staff she wanted and really, uh, really think she's going to build that up and get some good recruits in there too. Yeah, and that's still all female coaches in the pack. That's right. It's keeps that keeps that record alive uh, with Megan Bartlett uh, being named head coach of uh, Arizona State Sun Devils. So that's it for the week. Ree, final thoughts? Anything? Anything happening? Um, heading into the weekend? No, just uh, a lot of more fall reports rolling in. We got some, you know, you know me. I'm I'm an all all sports person so we get some college football championship games coming up that I'm geeked about basketball's kicking me I'm covering basketball which I love but those are later nights so uh, I love the diversity I love seeing some of the softball players supporting some of the basketball and football and some of the football games so just it's a cool time of year with all the college kind of blending and then lead us right into spring so yeah just just a busy time with all the college coverage but uh, just working on some more fall reports and got some uh, got some other ones in the bank and Gonna get them on the site here soon and got some big news maybe coming out tomorrow the next day so stay tuned for that as well hint hint <laughs> yeah we got some big news um it involves someone on the d1 softball staff so we'll see who see that might might be um stay tuned big news and that's it for the week head on over to the site d1softball.com send us an email if you have any questions info at d1softball.com like subscribe and Thank you all so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. Uh, head on over to site d1sample.com and uh, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>